Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. K-Nut. K-Nutty. Yes, sir. P. Diddy. What's happening? Not too much. Grateful to be alive. Do, you think, <laughs> do we think we go uh, National Guard? Whatever they call this thing. Do we have the will? Do Americans have the will? I don't know. What are you seeing in Scottsdale? Are people uh, hunkered down yet? I literally have mm. been good. I mean, I see a lot of people on the road. I see a lot of people in the stores, but the restaurants are closed down. You know, My favorite sushi place just closed down without well, telling me. Sense. Well, could you, so they weren't even serving at the curbside. I mean, no. you wouldn't have gone in there. No. Yeah. Have you guys been? Have you guys been careful? Yeah, absolutely. The Very boys careful. are locked down. We are all in lockdown. Are you a clean person? By are you one of those germaphobes in regular times? No, not really. Okay, neither am I. I'd lick. I'd lick poles. Today we're going to talk to a few more friends. It's uh, March twenty fourth. The panic is in its third week, fourth week maybe. Seems to be. Um, at this point, I'm just hunkered down. I can't. I'm watching Netflix like crazy and trying not to, to and trying to help founders. And uh, I'm just cannot believe how uh, chaotic it is out there. You know, it's surreal. It's a gorgeous day. I just did a ride today, a couple hours. Gorgeous day, mm-hmm. but no one's working. Um, so it's surreal here in Phoenix. We're going to get my friend Adam Lowling on the phone. Just get a, uh, uh, he's, uh, got plus capital, this, uh, advisor slash investor, uh, to celebs and, and high net worth. Interesting cat. We're friendly. Um, just get his take on the panic. And, uh, and then we're going to go back and talk FinTech with an old friend of mine. So first let's dial up Adam. I wanted to first though, um, one of our newer companies, kicking Koifin off and uh, wanted to read there at, for our for our listeners. Knut's asking me to speak up. So before we get started, pay it off. Payitoff.io is a, uh, helps <clears throat> you build a federal student debt repayment program into any financial services product. So what happens is kids are, 68% of the population has student loan and at a time like this more than ever, it's really important to understand all the offers that are out there for you to save money. So the average borrower using pay it off, uh, saves $3,000 per year from their personalized assessment and enrollment functionality. The team at pay it off built this incredible API that taps all these networks and, uh, all the rules-based platforms and, and fintech companies can build this into their products. The tools are especially helpful during the COVID-19 situations as millions of borrowers are losing part of their income or most of their income or their jobs entirely. Companies, fintech companies like banks that use their API can provide immediate relief by enrolling them in income-driven repayment plans and forgiveness options. So, so interesting company, great team, uh, just funded. We did the seed round and, uh, Go check it off, payitoff.io, and uh, hopefully that they're working on getting it uh, integrated into all financial apps and banks. All right, let's dial up Adam. What up, Adam? <laughs> How you doing, Howard? I'm hunkered down. Are you at the office or at home? 
You know, I've been hunkered down at home for a week, uh, but I had to pick something up at the office. I came in with my gloves and opened the door and then figured I'd do the call from here. Oh, wow. You didn't hear any screaming in the background. And how many kids are at home? Two. They don't scream. They're 13 and 10. They're just, you know, playing music and doing a lot of fun stuff for us. Is, there school? Is school a must right now, or are you just letting them fart around? Oh, if you could speak up yeah. a little bit, that would help, too. Yeah, it's spring break. Is that better? Yeah. It's spring break, so they're, uh, they don't have school this week, but they've been doing uh, school over the Internet for the last uh, week. And uh, have you, is, if I check your Google search, have you searched for divorce attorneys? <laughs> you know so, what? I'm worried about a lot of my friends. We're actually, my wife is my best friend, so we're doing great. And you know, I'll do, do enough of these things at this time. When it, okay, what do I want to be better for the end of it? And uh, my wife is a yoga instructor and fitness, just loves fitness. So I said to her, train me. And she got really excited. So I've had a couple days and I'm still going to do today and every day have her train me. So we're getting along great. Wow. It's like the Seinfeld episode with your wife's a masseuse. (laughs) Yeah. That was a great episode. (laughs) Yeah. So wait a minute. Uh, My wife would be repulsed by my body if she had to touch it in a yoga pose. (laughs) Oh, I won't do yoga. I love her. I can't do yoga though. But she's been training me. We're doing cardio or because you're a little bit of a schlub. I'm picturing you. It's a little bit. You're a little bit soft. I, I'm a lot soft. Yeah, right. no, I, I wasn't like this when I was younger. So you're like um, L.A. Uh, Playboy. You're like uh, a little bit soft. <laughs> no, I'm a lot soft. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lot okay. soft. So where's the office right now? The office is in Marina Del Rey, but Ooh, we're only like nice. a four or five of us in it. So we're not coming in at the same time. We're not coming in at all for the most part. We're you know we had our partner meeting today over the. Over Zoom, Zoom's been pretty incredible for all of us. Uh, wish I was a proud investor, but I'm just a proud supporter of it. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, everybody's been really productive as much as they can be working from home. I got you know when you have people who are self-starters and owners of their own, you know, day. You know, this is a godsend for them. They get more done. Yeah, we've talked to a few entrepreneurs and founders. A bad word, yeah. A couple of my founders said there's, you know, obviously we'll find out who the productivity people are and the other ones are watching Netflix and YouTube like me. Pod- <laughs> yeah. What do you do, Harry? Podcast? And I, don't, you, don't you manage a hundred million? Yeah, but no, it's not a pandemic. <laughs> it's a pandemic. How old are you? How old are you? I'm 50 this year. Are you 50? I will be in you November. Be yeah, the oldest person that I've had on the on the show. No, Peter Kardashian and Paul Trump. No, so, wait, yeah, Mullen's older than me, isn't he? Yeah, but he tells people he's forty. Oh, okay. Well, so you're part of the L.A. paparazzi entrepreneur venture capital scene. So give people a little background about Adam Lilly. Background on me. Uh, from Long Island, New York. You can hear my accent come out when I say Long Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to Michigan at what is now the Ross Business School for undergraduate. It's like the Stanford uh, of uh, Michigan. It's uh, like the Stanford of the state. Yeah, we say that about Stanford and Harvard, too. Uh, right. It's the Michigan of the East and the West. Yep. Um, proud cult alumni of Michigan. Came out here in 92, actually, to get out of going to law school in New York. I talked my way into a program for writing music for films at USC, but that's a whole nother podcast. Went no, you get one for, shot unless you're fantastic. This is the <laughs> one and done. I don't mean with you. So get it done. Uh, the, uh, 
I work for a guy named Miles Copeland. I went into the music business. And oh, I yeah. He, he founded a record label called IRS Records. He was the manager of the police in Sting. Mm-hmm. And I had just come back from, it was 94, I had just come back from a meeting with a fraternity brother at, who was working, he was the CTO and still is of the Shoah Foundation, the Visual History Foundation, sure. survivors of the Shoah, over at uh, Steven Spielberg's office, and showed me this thing called the Internet. It said, it's called the World Wide Web. Mm-hmm. And I ran back to the office. Yeah, it still is. And I said to Miles, we should be selling cassettes and CDs on this thing called the Internet. K-Tel. And he said, <laughs> and he said, uh, I don't want to do it. K-Nut and there's K-Tel. Do you know K-Tel, I remember yes, K-Tel very well. That stock was a fucking beast for like an hour during the Internet bubble. Really? That was an internet ticker symbol, KTEL. It was a hot little stock. But anyway, so you said, we're going to sell it, Muzak, on the internet. Uh, we're going to sell cassettes and CDs, and he didn't want to do it, but he let me do it. He was a great mentor of mine, and I started a record store. I launched it in 95. Come on. We configured Oracle to be searchable over the internet. I remember putting out that press release. And what was the name of the uh, company? A guy named, it was called Pentagon CDs and Tapes. That's a nice short name, a four-letter yeah. domain in, well, in Poland. That's like a Polish yeah. domain name. Well, yeah, it was so early that I didn't think .com was the only way to Comedians go. Comedians in cars Pentagon. getting coffees, Net. buying cassettes, and CDs.com. <laughs> the fuck's going on there? No wonder it failed. Yeah. No, well, so anyway, so you started, you, started, you started this thing with a really long domain it. name. Yeah. Well, it was Pentagon.net. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Someone had .com, so I took .net, not thinking that .com was the only way to go. Uh-huh. Um, sold it to Virgin. It became Virgin Megastores in the late 90s. Ooh. Yeah, not bad. And then... Uh, brag. Did you yeah, make a little well, money? Did you make some money off that? I made a little bit of money, but I actually made a deal with the, with the guys at Virgin to spin the technology out and become an e-commerce services provider, right? Kind of what GSI was doing. Oh my God, time. GSI, Michael Rubin, who now is fanatic. Yeah. That guy's just made so much money off the internet. Yeah. He way out executed. Way out executed almost everybody. And, and he, not, yeah. he does hard things. Like those aren't easy things. No, that was really hard. Yeah. What they were doing for sports, we were doing for entertainment merchandise. Oh. And CDs and, uh, I learned my first lesson in startups, uh, failure, you know, 102 when I was in year one of a five-year deal with Virgin and they decided to pull the plug and I had a hundred and something employees and I had to walk into a room and lay off 65 of them in, oh at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the rest of them over the course of four or five weeks while we kind of shut down the company and the first dot-com crash kept building internet companies because you know it's a it's a sickness that we all if we're founders we love being founders mm-hmm. um the next one called bigger boat we got caught up in the 0809 crash uh that was a lot of fun and then what, what was bigger boat bigger boat was a search engine it was kind of a vertical search for entertainment so music movies tv i've sensed a theme uh, games well you know what i was a music guy it took mm-hmm. me a long time to become an internet music guy oh, and then i spent a decade getting out of the world yeah. of music because it was always a harder my, vertical I, I people don't understand why i pass on music every single time and it's funny because you're all known who I think you know Jarl, right? He's just uh-huh. a legend. He, oh, Jarl was a DJ uh-huh. uh, called Lee Masters and then became one of the big internet digital guys. And now the Moan Broadcasting Center at KPCC is named after him. He's just 
an incredible angel investor, but also just benefactor and at the at the Hammer Museum. He's he's living the life and had a career the way I wish it. Were. I, I I emulate and want to be like. I want to be like Jarl. Mm-hmm. He uh, he. We were having lunch one day, and he said, "I won't invest in music or video because, like, you know, I'm, that that was my past. I want to put my energies into things that are different than my past." And I stay away from music as much as possible now because it's a passion business. I've lost enough money and time in my life uh, in the world of music to not want to do more of it. Uh, I give anybody credit who wants to continue, but in '09, uh, it was actually Mark Schuster who helped me kind of change my stars. And he had just founded and made me a co-founder of Launchpad LA, the mentorship program. And so then I moved from being a, internet music guy to being an internet guy mm-hmm. and started mentoring. They made me mentor in chief. I mentored startups here in LA, 09, 10 and 11 when we had a mentorship in Santa program. Monica or Venice? Yeah, it was in Santa Monica. Right. It was the first mentorship program to build what's called Silicon beach. Mm-hmm. But then Mark wanted to build an accelerator and I just said I'd help. And we found a great guy named Sam Teller to co-found the uh, the accelerator with, and I stayed on for a little while while he built out the program. And Sam went on to become, uh, I get lack of a better term, chief of staff to Elon Musk over at Tesla and SpaceX. Wow! So he's had a pretty good run. Yeah. But I started angel investing. We invested in about forty-five companies through Launchpad. And I just started to develop a thesis around LA that was a little bit different than everybody else. While uh, some people were working really hard to make LA venture about LA startups or really focus on venture capital specifically around the region, I thought that there was a, an opportunity to take artists and athletes, people who had the ability to affect change in the world more in a day than most people can in a lifetime. Uh, celebrities, cultural leaders, whatever you want to call them, and marry them up with operators and entrepreneurs by helping advise them on their venture capital. And that's when I started Plus, about 2012. It's cool. uh, You're in a a unique intersection because I'm a celebrity freak. I just love, <laughs> I don't know. I just I'm, you would not do well in this business if you were a freak about celebrities because they can smell it a mile away. Yeah, I know they can smell, but I I just think they'd all love me. Who they would love you just because your personality, though. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm I'm not in awe of celebs. I just walk up to them. Oh, like okay. you've you've brought a few by me, and I just I'm nice to them. You're very nice. To I treat them like, like zoo you're, animals. You're not a celebrity star. <laughs> I'm not a star fucker. I just get right in their face. I'm like, you're, it's not my fault you're famous. Why shouldn't I say I like your work? You know what I mean? Like, that's part of what they want. I mean, I get nervous yeah. when people walk up to me because I'm not famous, but a few people recognize me because they're fintech geeks or read my blog, and it's always scary when someone comes up to me and I don't know what the hell they're coming up to me for because I don't think of myself as famous. So it must be so hard for a celebrity to deal with that. Yeah. No, I, I, how do you I deal with celebrities sometimes. as their, how do you become their advisor? How did it happen? What was the first guy that you became their person you became their advisor for? Well, what happened was it wasn't even, it was before I even started having celebrities. I, when I was developing, actually it's a funny story. When I first started developing a thesis around, okay, how do I take the amplification of celebrity and match it up with the execution of great entrepreneurs and operators? I'd just seen, like, I think it was Hollywood Reporter, a variety article that 
business managers, where did they get their advice on venture? This is like 2012. Where did they get their advice when it comes to doing venture capital deals? And one business manager said, Clark Landry, you know, Clark, right? No. Do you know Clark? Oh, Clark, he's a great founder here in town and investor. And Clark, I, the first thing I did is like, look, I don't want to compete with Clark. So I called Clark on the phone. I said, Hey, if you're doing this, you know, I don't want to like, I don't want to like, you know, start a, you know, doing this around you. Like, should we be working together? He goes, Adam, I had one conversation with one business manager once. I have not heard from that guy ever again. And I'm like, okay, there's the bar. The bar is literally, there's nobody who's really doing this sure. in any formal way. Yeah, there's so millions of celebrities. I, I mean, they're all, you know, yeah. mathematically they're but, interested in this. And back then business managers were like, business managers are like the CFO of a celebrity's life. They're, they're everything from bill pay to helping them connect to the right financial advisors, everything. They're just mm -hmm. the family office people. So I was really lucky. Um, I was first thinking of doing this. It was actually Chris Ovitz, um, who found, was a co-founder of Viddy, co-founder of WorkPop. Son of Michael Ovitz. At the Ovitz. time, son of Michael Ovitz, uh -huh. small world. Uh -huh. he, said, he, had, he said, hey, I wanna start a fund uh -huh. for, and for celebrities. And so I said, great. I, I actually been thinking like doing something about this. Let's do it together. Um, he had just started doing Viddy and then Viddy started to take off. So he decided to stay and do a co-founding role at Viddy, which at the time made a lot of sense because he wanted to get more operational chops. But at the moment we were just like, okay, well, we're going to call every business manager and entertainment attorney in Hollywood that we can and ask any favor we can of any person and just meet people. Mm -hmm. And so I just kept doing that. I kept asking people, like I never asked people for anything. This was the one thing I'm like, look, I won't sell them anything. I won't ask them for anything, but let me just collect some data because that was the great thing about Launchpad. Launchpad, when Mark asked me to do it with him, I asked him two questions. I'm like, what does it pay and what am I going to get out of it? Uh, and he said, nothing, you're going to get paid nothing. And it's the right thing to do. And it ended up being the greatest platform ever for me because I just started doing things for people. And I, you know, the benefit of doing things for people is you get to collect data. So I took the same model and I just started calling people saying, you don't understand venture capital. I do. Let me help you. I won't charge you anything. And I got to know these people and I started helping one, then the other, then the other. And it's a small community. Once you're vetted as trusted, it's a lot easier to navigate. And so I went around and I got really lucky. The first person I got to help um, was Ellen DeGeneres. I mean, so, I mean, if you, if you look at the path, it was she? a lot easier getting she the rest. She, she, she is she um, in, in some parts of the world. She should, well, really, she should Amongst have a podcast, women. but one yeah. day she'll get a podcast out of this. I, right. I, I know it. And what's I'm, she like I'm, in person? Would she uh, like me? Great. Would she like you? You know what? At first, she punches. would be like, what the hell is this? Who the hell is this guy? And why is he in my face? Sounds like and then everybody I think else. She'd get so. to, I, I think she'd get to like you over time. So okay. if you're forced in like a self-quarantine with her, like, I think you're going to be good. I don't think I'd like her. I think you'll love her. Okay. So, and so you met her through who? I met her through her entertainment attorney, Kevin Yorn. And I met her through her business manager, uh, Harley Newman. And ultimately I got to work with her agent, Eddie Blondes. I mean, it's and is she into she investing had. in this category of startups? Yeah. It, at first, yes and no. I mean, everybody, this, that's the crazy thing about, 
working uh, in the world of Hollywood is, if you think about it, the, the world of Hollywood is very similar, at least from a creator side or an actor side, as the world of startups. Mm-hmm. You know, blue people on another planet, you know, is an idea that becomes Avatar, just like disappearing photos becomes an idea that is Snapchat. And it really is in the execution where it's different and the language that it's different. But the passion around it, I call it the imagination economy. I, I believe both worlds love to be in each other's world in its core because you're taking cool ideas and you're making them real. It just, it, you have to teach them the language. You have to teach them how to execute on it. You have to teach them how to, to be in that process. But once they learn it, they love it. Hmm. Are we panicking yet, by the way? No, we haven't even talked about panic because I'm fascinated by like celebrities. So, (laughs) so when you had to go fire the hundred people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 65 at first. It was 65. So so you get the, you get the note from Virgin up high. Yeah. And they say you're done. And so now you got to collect yourself, get putting aside that you're done basically too. And then just go tell everybody, was it a hundred miles an hour to a zero or was there like some hint that things were, I mean, April, the market just shut down. So, uh, the, the real story is I got a tip off that, uh, that the CEO was going to close down after Christmas. This was like a month and a half before Christmas. And then I got the tip off that they were going to just keep me till Christmas then tip us off. And, uh, this ruined my relationship with somebody I really, cared about because the CEO uh, of the U S was a, a dear friend at that point, but I had a hundred employees and I wasn't going to screw them over. So I said, um, I need you to pay these bills now. And if you're going to shut down after Christmas, let's have a conversation about it. And they said, well, we'll have a conversation with it, but we're not going to pay the bills right now. Right. And I said, well, yeah, you are, or I'm going to shut off your store at Christmas time. And they thought I was kidding. And I literally shut off Virgin Megastores at like 8 a.m. one morning when I told, I gave them many days warning and they thought I was going to negotiate. And I'm like, no, I'm going to pay my employees and I'm going to shut this thing down the right way. If I have to shut down, you're going to pay your bill. Cause if I wait till after Christmas, you're never going to pay your bill. You pay me 10 cents on the dollar. And, um, and they came in with a checkbook by noon and we had the store back on and we paid you know, the severance we needed to pay for the 65 employees and the rest of them stayed on until we were able to thoughtfully shut down the company. Um, try to, we try to, we try to sell it off. We were actually in talks with IXL back at the time. I think it was like 150 a share. By the time we were like trying to get the deal done, it was at like six bucks a share. You remember those days. It was every day we tried to merge with another company. We tried everything, you know, to save the company. I say sure. shut it down. That's like six weeks later, but for six weeks every day, it was let's try this, let's try that. Who's who's got cash? Who's well? That's happening right now. I've never seen anything like this. You know, we're going to get lucky at some level, and a lot of companies that just hit a wall. So I'm sure you're seeing that as well. Are you doing the calls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing the calls, trying to give people like the one thing I have is I've been through this. This This is different obviously, but it's always different in some way. Mm-hmm. Like the financial crash was different than 9-11. Uh, everything was, this is probably closer to 9-11 than it was to the financial crash. For now, but yep. it, affects, 
it affects different industries differently. Like who would have thought some of the direct-to-consumer businesses, depending on the vertical that they were in, were having good weeks, great months, mm-hmm. because a lot of people are ordering you know, essentials online. Mm-hmm. But their comps you know, won't look good as soon as things go back to normal. So they, they, there's there's trends like like work from home that'll last forever, and then there's yeah. ones that will just spike. They're just their bump, yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of companies that, you know, a lot of founders don't, been, are, are, are too young to have lived through oh, yeah. the 08, 09. So they, get, they were getting a little cocky on providing financial information to smaller investors before, but now they're emailing saying, you know, if you want to write a check, you can write a check because we're increasing the round, but they haven't been giving yeah, it's this really open bad information. But this people. was building in the system. We've been talking about this for years. Exactly. It's also exactly. why I like so. venture capital is we don't put all our money out at once. It's like planting seeds. So, but yeah, we're going to yeah. be holding our LPs hands. You know, we're continuing, we're open for business and companies that we love, we still love. The prices may be down, but it's, this is a whole ricochet system. So this is the first time that like, you send in a capital call to LPs. You can't expect everybody to just uh, say thanks. Uh, people are stressed. Well, well so I think stress on the LP the side, uh, I got, I mean, I don't want to say I got lucky. I mean, because I, I was, um, over a year ago at this point, I was talking to funds and to our fund formation attorneys and others. And a year ago at this time, there was a lot of big VCs that were, pulling in as much money as they could because sure. they didn't know when the shoe was going to drop. They didn't know it was this kind of shoe, but they figured like a financial shoe would drop at some point. You what you watched all this and mm-hmm. you were incredibly helpful. You know, when I taught you, when I was in the middle of my fundraise, mm-hmm. um, I got, I was, I mean, actually, I don't know how much I can talk about because I'm not allowed to quote unquote market mm-hmm. our fund, but we, you know, we got a, there's a, there's a form D out. So we got a close done before the cry, crash and, you know, luckily didn't go out and just spend it on things. So we were, you know, we're, in, I'm lucky. And from a timing perspective, it only took me, you know, 25 years to get the timing right. But, uh, but I'm, I'm okay with my LPs. And we also picked a, a strategy, right? We're leveraging our access through our artists and athletes in later stage deals that, it's, you know, I, I can't imagine what some people are going through at the seed stage or at the A stage right now when companies haven't found product market fit and they haven't found their unit economics. I mean, that's... No, we're, we're at a screeching to, halt. We're at a screeching halt. Yeah. We don't know. There's some unintended consequences. So how are you thinking about the future in this panic? Well, the first thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying to work with our founders, anybody who's never been through this before, because it's not intuitive to think I've got a cut. It's not intuitive sometimes. I mean, it, it, it may be intuitive, but you block yourself because you're like, no, but I want to save that one more job, which is a great thing to think about. Or I don't want to lose that momentum, which is not as great a thing to think about because there is no momentum. Know, there is no momentum. So whatever momentum you think you have though, from the past stops, but you can't, some, some founders don't see it fast enough. Oh, I mean, that's, yeah. That's just the problem. So you have to sit there and be a therapist, which is fine. But you, you know, the the most important thing to do to people right now is to say, no, this isn't a two week problem. No, you're, you know, you're you're not going to just be able to open the last round. Um, yeah, you're going to have to think about things differently. And it's just it's important to first spend time with your portfolio. Candidly, I'm 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 fortunate that we have very few companies that are underfunded uh, or, and we internally look for companies that are 
close to profitability or have, you know, have enough cash to get to profitability. So we haven't had too many portfolio companies, uh, that have, that, that we know of. Yeah. That we know of yet, but then, you know, this isn't over in two weeks. So yeah. We're, and, ha- you know, and the ecosystem is very strong in LA. You're t- it's a really good group of people. I think so. Like I, I'm, I'm a big fan of LA, as you know, um, you know, the, I would say in the last 24 months, there's been a bunch of new founders that sure. can tell the story and do the narrative because this is a storytelling town. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you really get to see who the great operators are or are not in times like this. So, but this is natural. Like, by the way, I don't know how you're feeling about it, but I'd love to hear. But I, I my biggest problem or fear in the last two years has been there's been a lot of people launching funds um, that I always said, look, when the market changes, they're going to go back to their jobs and they're going to be doing this part time. Like it, it reminded me of the Oh six Oh seven timeframe when everybody in my world was becoming a real estate agent. And yeah, I was like, why? Yeah. yeah. The <laughs> difference is, and no, we'll have funds. I've been, just been telling people this oh fifteen to 2020 batch of returns is going to be terrible. Look good. And now it's going to be terrible. And, you know, imagine, you know, even Airbnb, like if you haven't sold or we work, all those things that were marked up that now are marked down 50 to a hundred percent and Airbnb looked airproof. So nobody's, nobody's saved here, right? The egos right. have to go back in the thing. A lot of people will go to work for the Googles and Facebook, the safety of Google, Facebook, a lot of the good engineers will just go back yeah, where it's safe they don't want it. and they won't leave. So we'll lose some innovation. No, this is not good. We don't have platforms. So in 06, 07, 08, you had YouTube, LinkedIn. I don't want to be bearish. Twitter, Facebook, uh, the tail end of my, you had, so, you had platforms to grow your user base. Now we're going into a recession where acquiring customers is still very competitive. So, uh, so that's why Google and Facebook are down so much over the last three weeks. Cause and, and, and imagine a YC combinator thing where you just sell to YC companies. I mean, those things are all going to be shut down, you know, as business models. So there's like second and third order effects, but that's what well, you, bear markets do. Um, the thing about there power is one part to what you just said, though. Though, if mm-hmm. you talk about customer acquisition costs, what makes this pandemic unique in itself is if you look at the last 12, 18 months, a lot of great companies have noticed that whether it's through pop-ups or actually, you know, long-term uh, locations, physical locations, blended with their direct-to-consumer, they were lowering their customer acquisition yeah. costs. I know that's a dead and weight. And now all of a sudden you have to shut your stores and the overhead of these stores that were bringing your customer acquisition costs lower are now just burning your cash. Yeah. No, I mean, we're seeing it with one company. So we have that in one company. So, so yeah, I mean, this is what we signed up for. I always thought there was some fluff, not just in the, in the startups, but in the people investing in startups and, and uh, there's an education going on at Mach 2 right now, and you're <laughs> part of it, so I appreciate you, you tuning in and, and saying that. What were you focused on before the crash? What, what's, the, what's the focus, and are you still, uh, what's your, what are you bullish on? What's that, like, what angle of attack? Our big sectors are future of work, future of education, consumer products like the conscious consumer, Nothing's changing. Uh, we actually, in our partner meeting today, we're talking about, you know, let's let's really hone in on what, like when you talk about remote 
uh, work, remote learning. Let's hone in a little bit on what companies and who's, you know, going to be set for kind of the changes that are happening. But still, you don't really know how much consumer behavior changes changes in the first two weeks of the change of the cycle. So sure. the big thing for us is. You know, we look for companies that are better for the planet and better for the world. It's not an ESG strategy. It's just, hey, we'd rather invest in companies we think are better than than things that are just taking advantage of other people. So, um, you know, our, we've announced a couple of our investments recently, and one is BetterUp, which I got to say is kind of perfect for the world right now. It's a professional coaching platform that, that helps uh, enterprise companies use get coaches for their employees, for the manager level, the director level, the vice president level, like not just the CEO needs a coach. Everybody needs a coach to help them be better um, employers or, or managers of their employees. So for, for us, like you think about therapy needed to be destigmatized. We've been in this process of coaching need to be destigmatized in the workforce right now. There is so much stress happening where people are trying to figure out how do I manage people remotely? How do I, you know, get people to not focus on, you know, getting sick, but also getting some work done. Like I think it's needed more than ever. So I'm a huge fan of better up. Um, I'm a huge fan of, of, of my team who's really thought through kind of where does the intersection of the profit meets purpose of a celebrity. So we try to find the, the passion areas of where a celebrity, um, an artist, an athlete cares about something mm-hmm. so much so that they would even do it potentially for free mm-hmm. because it's something that they want to see the world look like in the future. And then we try to find those for-profit founders that are scaling their venture opportunities to get involved in it. Obviously, we overlay that with what we think are great markets to invest in and what great companies there are. But the more that they're passionate about something, we bring them or that they get interested in it, the more they're going to be active. So and is it all LA? Is, is it all LA? No, no, no. It's all over the country. Okay, it's, so you're uh, doing it all over the country. You're not focused on yeah, LA. And you're seed only, correct? The opposite. We're actually not seed at all. Oh. We're series B, C, D. Oh. So we're, we're growth. Got we it. moved away from early stage. You know, the first fund was early stage. Luckily, we returned that fund before this thing changed, before uh-huh. the markets changed, so it's not about the markups anymore. But those early-stage companies, they weren't picking the company, and when they were, you know, if you if you get some celebrity behind a company and there's no product market fit, yeah, number one, it's time. kind of it's like it's a brand. waste of every, and it's a waste of the cap table, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. So we just wait until there's real momentum for the company, and then we get them involved to help them with their And do you do it through sidecars or directly through the fund? So the celebrity invests directly into the company. Uh, so we put them, we advise them. We're their trusted advisor to put them directly on. So we have 35 of the world's top artists and athletes that we now have, that we help them find yeah. companies to get behind and go directly on the cap table. And then whether it's, you know, in the past it was through balance sheets and that balance sheet investing in SPVs and, some point I'll be able to announce something around a fund, but I'm not there yet. Got it. And 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 how do you decide thirty? What, what list is that from? You declare that list, or you just they are the thirty five biggest. <laughs> um, well, we spent seven years meeting with people, getting to know them, 
becoming trusted on this one and then the next one. And, mm-hmm. you know, when someone has a real interest to work with us, we'll find them as And a, you kind of know their interests, client. so you know what, what if a deal's interesting. You, you yeah, vet totally. it first. You do all the vetting. Yeah. In fact, we take their deal flow incoming, and then uh, Ryan Morris, Amanda Groves, my partner, and our whole team, you know, is involved in, in sourcing uh, great companies from venture capitalists, entrepreneurs. We hunt. We go hunting. We know what people like, and we look for companies that we think are the winner in the space. And and you have you know, your we're not li- leading you, deals. Yeah, and you have your license too. You have licenses. We do. Know. We actually do. We have a broker dealer and investment banking license with Finra because we wanted to make sure that when we were doing a transaction, you know, you don't, I, I, a year and a half, two years ago, I don't remember what it was, but Mayweather and Paris Hilton were doing like cryptocurrency promotion. And somebody from the SEC on the legal team said to me, you know, that's a security. And, you know, you got to be careful when you're getting paid in securities or when you're negotiating for securities. Mm-hmm. And it just got me started. And then I have this awesome fund formation attorney at Gunderson named Sean Kaplis. He does many of the world's biggest funds. And he's like, you need to either be an RIA or a broker dealer. Like you need, you need to get these licenses. I'm like, funny you say that. I was just having this conversation. And so, uh, crazy enough, uh, Amanda and I, she already had her seven and 63 from JP Morgan, but she went and got her 24 and her 79 and, Whatever it took to run the firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I you're doing it right. Like to, this I is the only way to do it. And uh, now we can negotiate equity for endorsement and any kind of securitization for the yeah, security. Yeah, you are becoming the, the leader in that. I think as marketing becomes more important with no new platforms, obviously TikTok and Snapchat, and you've got to understand those platforms. But I think having where you, this is why I wanted people to, to get to know you, you, you have that. There is a new thing coming, which is like, you can have product market fit, but it's expensive to market. It's very crowded out there, so you're gonna need celebs and athletes in the next generation to get above And more the now than ever. Yeah, to get above the now noise. Cash is cash you have to preserve, so why don't you think about how do you use partnerships, revenue shares, equity from your cap table to you know, align incentives so that people can draw, right. help drive growth and actually tie it to a metric or tie it to a deliverable so that you're not just giving away cap table space to someone who does nothing. Like you should. Yeah. What you're doing is more important on the other side of this. So it'll be interesting to stay in touch and see, see what's happening. Well, I appreciate your, your time. Uh, Thanks for panicking. Yeah. We didn't panic. I mean, you're, you're you're a chilled LA private. Ellen DeGeneres. Do you think she panics? No, exactly. Your, your athletes don't panic. Your celebs and athletes don't panic. They panic about their, their ratings and other things, but they're probably not so much about money. But I'll tell you, like, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm inherently a startup guy. Like I've been a startup person since 1994 when I built, and I got to say there's, this is, this is scary for a lot of people. It's scary for me. Yeah frightening and 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 i i don't want to sound like i'm not panicking believe me every time no I'm, this whole I'm show is home, everybody on the even if you're a billionaire you're panicked i'm talking to the, the few so uh yeah but the one thing i would tell people is and i made this mistake in a 102 and i made this mistake in 0809 because when you're going through the panic you don't find the time to do the things you wish you could have done when you were too busy in the first place yeah. like the first thing to do is one think of the things that you haven't had time to be better at and make sure you set aside time. So when this is all over, you're better than that. I'll tell you one story 
that uh, I probably should have said earlier, but in the 0102 panic, uh, uh, the crash, the, the internet crash, I was driving down to the courthouse in LA. I had settled the last creditor, you know, potential lawsuit. I was trying to like get everybody paid as much as I could. I'm driving down to the courthouse and I get a call from my mom. My dad dies. Literally, my dad died as I'm driving to the courthouse. So I'm stuck in traffic. I'm not getting there. And I'm, I, I call the courthouse and I say, hey, is there any way I can mail this to you? And they said, yeah. And so I, I literally turn around, go back to my condo, pick up clothes, and I fly back to New York to spend six months with my family. And, you know, you're sitting there. I, on paper, I would have been, you know, I would never have had to work again. On paper, I was looking pretty great. Um, I just lost my dad. I lost all the money that I possibly could have made in it. And I'm here at home. And my wife now of 15 years was my girlfriend who we were doing long distance, New York, LA. And she's sitting there by my side at my dad's funeral. She's uh, buying me dinner in New York City because she's like, yeah, I was still okay. But she was like, no, you know, I'll, I'll buy dinner. She was making plenty of money. And in every thing that happens in your life, there's whatever pain, whatever tragedy, whatever things are going wrong, something great can come out of it. You just can't see it. It takes a long time to really see it. For me, I look back and I'm like, look, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I feel, I mean, I, I love my dad very much and I wish he didn't die, but if I'm going to lose my dad and I'm going to lose my company, I got a wife and two great kids, an amazing wife and two great kids that I've got a great life out of. And I don't know what would have happened if we did the New York LA for another year. So yeah, you got to panic. Yeah, you got to, but you got to find the things you could do that are going to make your, your life better right now. Like for me, it's working out, spending more time with my kids. And also you got to reset how you do things. Like our yeah. team, the first day sat there and said, here's how we're going to think about working with our clients and our partners. Here's how we're going to think about investments, like put a strategy together to get through it. And if you're going to lose your company, God forbid, cause you can't get it done. Like you have to decide if you're going to optimize for success or you're going to optimize for dilution because at this moment it's more about success than it is worrying about like little points of dilution. You just gotta, you gotta put together a plan and you gotta execute against it. And if you fail, which many of the people that we work with will, you know, you got to do it with some dignity, honor, and integrity. And so, cause the people who I lost money for in 08 or nine, one of them was Howard Morgan. Uh, it was Josh and Howard, Legend, yeah. one of their, one of their first investments in f first round capital. Mm -hmm. At that $7 million fund was my company, bigger boat. Oh, and I remember Josh, when we were trying to get that company sold in 08 and 09, one of the nicest things an investor ever said to me, he's like, Adam, the amount of work that you and Barbara, my co-founder, were doing to try to just save us from losing money, I will feel better about than the way I was just taking uh, somebody really just point renegotiated with me uh, on a big exit I just had. So he had made a lot of money on a big exit, and he had a negative experience on it, and he no, they, those guys stayed oh, you know, partners for life. And yeah. Howard's now a special advisor to the plus funds. And he yeah. invested in me 
in everything I did since. So yeah, he's a legend. He's uh, for sure. I'm lucky to know him too, but I agree. This is a great lesson more for founders than anybody else is that uh, you gotta, you gotta carry the ball over the goal line. It's not always fun. You signed up for this. I don't think people really, the last 10 years, I don't think they understood that. Okay. I'm going to, not at all. I think that's a great way to end it. A sad story. I'm, I'm, uh, I appreciate. I mean, that's a horrible story. But people yeah. need to put this stuff in perspective. And this is what being a founder is. You know, life and your company. You know, shit happens in your life, and then shit happens to the company. But people exactly. sign, people signed up for this. So good story. You exactly. you're lucky to have those good investors and uh, your wife. So uh, and next friends time, like you. Well, thank you. I'm next time through LA, we'll hang. But uh, I think you're, you've okay. got an interesting angle of attack. So, uh, congrats on Excellent. that. Okay. I appreciate that. Talk to you, Adam. Be Thanks safe. for having me. Talk right. to you later. Cheers. Bye. Different, different type of uh, approach on life. Brains and heart. And heart. He's a very empathetic guy. We hit it off the first time uh, we met. Impressive. And, yeah, impressive. All right, we'll be back soon. I was Adam Lilling, Plus Capital. We'll be back soon another panic with friends.